do they have enough money to finish this project? Because with first timers, you'll get them coming in. They just watched HGTV. They're going to make a fortune. I've rehabbed houses. It's not that glamorous and it's not as easy as it looks on TV. And so we want to make sure we're setting them up for success too. Giving them a loan when we're very aware that they don't have enough to rehab it is not putting them in a good position to be successful. Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron, and each week my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Women Creating Wealth. We have a special guest today. Her name is Heather Drees, and she's the director of funding and at Secured Investment Corp and fund manager with one of the fastest growing companies in the private money marketplace in the U.S. They focus on residential real estate investments, which interests us, right? Heather is passionate about helping self-employed entrepreneurs and their families to build wealth and succeed in their business adventures and helping investors to deploy capital that's looking for a high-yield passive investment backed by residential real estate. She has seen real estate investors succeed and fail and is committed to tipping the scale on the side of success for anyone she can. And that's what we're going to tap into today. Heather, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So there, the first thing I want to talk about is you, before we started the recording, you were saying that your fund is a little bit different than other sort of, like we've speak, spoken to a person who does syndication before, and this is a little bit different. Can you just explain how the fund actually makes money? Absolutely. So um, I think what makes us very different is, is I would consider our real estate fund really a hybrid. And what I mean by that is when you're talking with, you know, operators that manage funds, a lot of times they specifically focus on one thing. Sometimes it's debt and sometimes it's equity. Uh, our fund actually does both, which is pretty uncommon in this industry. And, and what I mean by that is when we, when we look at our assets that we hold in our fund, the way that we make our, our fund, member, fund members money is we actually take 75% of the fund balance And we create debt with that. And that means that we lend money to active real estate investors. So these are clients that are boots on the ground. In the past, historically, a lot of them were fixing and flipping. So we'll lend them money on a short-term basis, Mm -hmm. 12 months on average. uh, And we'll provide everything from purchase money up to and and additionally rehab funds. Um, secured by first liens against a residential real estate asset. And the fund makes money off of things like origination points, obviously interest payments. So we require all of the clients that we lend money to, to make interest payments every single month. And then they have what's called a balloon payment due at the end of the term of their note, where all the principal is returned. And that's a really big revenue producer for the fund. There's a lot of profit that comes in to the fund on a monthly basis from that. And what we thought when we set these funds up is it's great that we have this and we like the debt side of things. You know, we don't lend more than 70% of the value. We're very secured with these loans. We're always in a first lien. But what happens if deal flows affected? You know, what happens as markets shift if, you know, our loan officers aren't producing as much? You know, you, you potentially could be in 
a, a bind as, as a fund operator when your cash flow is, is affected. And so right. what we decided when we set this up was we were going to take that 75% of the balance and we were going to lend that out. That's the debt. And we do that nationwide. So we're located in Northern Idaho, which I know probably sounds crazy that we're a nationwide lender. And we'd like to tell people it's terrible here because quite honestly, a lot of people are moving here now. So we tell them there's lots of bears, bugs, <laughs> moose, but really keep nobody's listening. They just keep coming. Um, <laughs> but what we also wanted to do was we practice what we preach. So the way that we lend our money, as far as how we buy real estate, you know, how we go into it, looking at a rehab project is also how we practice our acquisition side of things. So that's the equity side of our fund. So we take the other 25% of our fund and we buy real estate assets in our local market. So specifically in the Pacific Northwest, Spokane, Washington. So any of you guys on here, Gonzaga fans, go Zags, uh, <laughs> that's Spokane. And then we also buy actively in a town called Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and the surrounding suburbs of that town. Mm -hmm. And we will go out and buy again, it's residential real estate. So it's gonna be anything single family up to four units. Okay. And we have an acquisition team. They call out-of-state homeowners. They call, you know, sometimes families have a family member that passes away and they're 10 states away and they're saying, I don't want to keep this yeah, piece okay. of real estate. Yeah. So we buy a lot of off-market deals. Um, some of those assets um, on the equity side of our balance sheet, we will buy and hold. So we'll rent them in cash flow. And we have a property management division that manages those types of assets. In addition to some of them, we'll fix and flip. One of the things that I've noticed recently, and if you're an active real estate investor, you're always pivoting, right? Like just because fix and flip was your strategy. And honestly, three months ago, right. <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean that's the case right now. So we're starting to see more opportunity and, and more ability to create profit for the funds and the fund members through cash flowing these types of properties. And that's what I really was implying when I said that our fund was, was much different than most. Um, a lot of funds are syndications. You know, they will identify a multifamily unit, they'll fund it up, and that one single asset sits in there for four or five years. Right. So ours is just much shorter term in nature. And I think you know, the assets being the fact that they're residential up to four units is very different than most funds. But yeah. we focus all of it, whether it's the equity side of it or the acquisition really around the affordable housing market. And so we really focus on properties, whether we're lending it or buying them under the FHA cap, because mm -hmm. more often than not, when you start to see market shift, just like we're all seeing right now, regardless of what market you're in, those types of properties, usually you can cash flow, you know, in the right. event you need to hold them and ride out a market shift. Yeah. And that's really why we focus, you know, in that affordable housing market space. That's excellent. And that's, a, it's a very underserved market. Yes. Yes. And it's not getting any smaller. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, even though rates are going up, you know, people are still buying houses. People need somewhere to live and they're also looking for properties to rent. The ones that you know, we're seeing that may have bought a house 12 months ago because rates are double what they were. They're on the sidelines and now they're looking to rent properties. So, you know, there's still opportunities. I think, you know, as a fund operator, you just have to always be able to shift your, your strategies and there's still opportunities out there. You just need to change your mindset and maybe your exit strategies on those types of assets. Yeah. No, it's, it's very interesting. I haven't, I don't think spoken to anybody who had both ends of the of this, when you're looking to rent, to lend money to somebody, somebody mm -hmm. who's got a project going on, are you mostly dealing with really large firms or do you do that, do any small time 
all one-off individuals. You know, we we only lend to an LLC. So our clients that borrow money from us have to have an entity set up. And we yeah. do that so that there's no question as to whether they're living in the house. We don't want to have any concerns with usury and that type of right. issues. Yeah. Um, so they do have to have an entity. It's an L, typically an LLC. Uh, and then they personally guarantee the loans. But these are all just, just one-off clients, you know, and, and many of them, are really good repeat clients. I mean, we have we have bar- people that have borrowed from us 15 to 20 times in the last year. We love those clients, honestly. Wow. They know our process. They have reputational capital with us. We know they perform on their loans. Um, yeah. So a lot of, uh, and not all of them in, in full transparency are people that have done business with us before, but that's really kind of our goal is to create this ecosystem where they know our system. They know what we require to see when they want to borrow money from us. And it's just, they, they basically turn and burn. I'd say our average loan pays off in about 10 months. So most of them don't even go the full 12 months. And just to be clear for folks who aren't that familiar with this kind of lending, just to, that during the time when they're doing the fix up, they're only paying the interest. And then no. as soon, yeah. is that not the case? No, that is the case. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they're doing the work, they're paying just the interest. And then when they complete and potentially sell the home, or they could refinance into a more traditional situation, then they're going to pay you back in a big balloon payment, everything at the same time. That is correct. Yeah. And we even, so all those assets that we lend money on, we actually service all those accounts also. So we will originate and close the loan. You know, we underwrite it. We, you know, do a loan process on it. Um, we have a, a pretty um, strict guideline. We have strict guidelines with, you know, things that they have to provide us with. Um, and then providing we close it, then we set it up in our servicing company. And we have about 10 employees that service about 500 notes. And they make sure that those people make their payments every single month. You know, if they're having challenges, they're really there to hopefully just assist them. It's not our goal to foreclose. Right. However, if they yeah, don't make yeah. their payments and they're not communicating with us, we will move forward with foreclosure because that's what is protecting our fund and its assets is that yeah. lien against the house. So the collateral is a first lien against that property. So us as the lender have the ability to step in and foreclose on a on a house really with at least 30% equity. You know, if that house is worth $100,000 based off an appraisal and the evaluation we do, we won't extend more than $70,000 in a loan. So that's that's the big key to what they would consider private lending is an equity play in it, right? You know, you're well secured if they don't make their payments that you can take it back. And what do you look for when you want, when somebody comes to you and they say, you know, hey, I've got this great project. I want, I'd like to get some money, but it's my first project. Would you even consider someone like that? Another component of our company is we actually have an education component where we, we train people how to go out and find real estate, buy it, how to rehab it. So to be perfectly transparent, a lot of these clients come through our education. And so we will teach them, here's how to find a deal. We have a very specific metric as far as what their highest and best offer should be based off of a rehab project, you know, so they have to, so we look at things like what's the asset worth when it's finished and what is it worth as it sits? So we want to see what the as is value is and what they would call after repair value or ARV. That means that is the value after the project is rehabbed. We want to look at their rehab bid. You know, that's one of the biggest things too, is do they have enough money 
to finish this project because with first timers, you'll get them coming in. They just watched HGTV. They're going to make a fortune. I've rehabbed houses. It's not that glamorous and it's not (laughs) as easy as it looks on TV. And so we want to make sure we're setting them up for success too. Giving them a loan when we're very aware that they don't have enough to rehab it is not putting them in a good position to be successful. So we want to look at the asset and the project. The other side of it is, and you know, I think in the past, a lot of people think private money is hard money and it's asset-based and we don't care about the borrower. That's actually not true. We want to make sure that the borrowers in a financial situation where they can be successful, where they can make the payments and service the debt, you know, where maybe if they have a hiccup and something, you know, when you're rehabbing houses, there's always unforeseen expenses. (laughs) I, I don't know anybody that's ever came in under budget. That's just right. that <laughs> Once you take that first wall down, like, no. Oh, and so we'll hold a contingency. <laughs> we'll say, okay, your, your rehab budget is $50,000. We're going to hold 110% of that. If you get it done for the 50,000 that you thought you were going to spend, then you're going to get the remaining. But just in case <laughs> other things come up, we have a little cushion, yeah. but we want to see that they have three months of payment reserves, you know, so that they can make their payments. We want to see that they have 10% of the rehab budget in their bank so that they can get the project started because what we do not do, we don't front any rehab costs. So that right. means- right. We're not going to close a loan and say, hey, here's 10% of your rehab budget. Go get it started. Yeah. In my experience, I've done this a long time. (laughs) Not a good idea. (laughs) That money you're fronting does not go to start that rehab budget. It goes to, you know, I don't know what they're doing with it. So (laughs) we we do what's called reimbursement draws. So they'll come to us and say, hey, I got the electrical done. We'll send a third-party inspection company out. And they'll go out and determine or and confirm, hey, they've got the work done. They pulled their permits like they were supposed to. They paid their contractor. We're going to make sure that their contractor signs off that they've been paid so we don't have any concerns with mechanics liens. And then we'll reimburse them. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I do think private money has had this bad rap that it's all about assets and they don't care. No, we, like I said, we want our lenders and our our fund our investors in our fund to make money and we want those loans to perform and just as importantly we want our borrowers to be successful because like i said we want them coming back we want them to say hey i made yeah. 30 grand on that project i'm going to come back and borrow from you guys again and right. so i pride myself on that because i think there's a lot of lenders out there that really don't care all that much about borrowers they care about getting paid an origination fee and that's about it and we're not we're just not like that you know we we take pride in that and we have a lot of really successful clients and it it makes the whole community profitable right our right. funds are profitable our investors are making the yields they want on their money without having to deal with tenants and toilets right they're not having to go out and rehab their own house. Right. They're not going out trying to lend their own money, which I can tell you horror stories for days about. And then, you know, the borrowers are getting the the capital that they need to buy the property, to rehab it, and they're making money. And yeah. so it's, again, this big, we call it the circle of wealth. Our company has a, a logo and it's the circle of wealth. And, you know, I kind of look at it as it's four quadrants, but it's really two halves. One is a very passive side, which is mostly the clients I deal with that have money. A lot of them use self-directed IRAs. Um, A lot of them are self-employed. Some of them have full-time jobs and they just have capital, but they don't want to be hands-on. You know, they're like, I don't want to, I like real estate. I love residential, but I don't want to own it and deal with it. 
on the other side of the circle of wealth, we have really active clients that are like, I have boots on the ground. I'm a real estate agent. I find smoking deals. I just need the funding. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. A lot of them that start on this really active hands-on side ultimately end up circling back around, you know, once they've made a fair amount of capital and they're like, Hey, now I have all this capital. Yeah. I need to get this working for me. And right. so, you know, everybody kind of enters the circle at a different place, but you know, our goal for everybody is to ultimately become passive at some point. Yeah. But it can also be a way to begin, right? If somebody says, oh, you know, I just have, I don't have enough money to do my own project, but right. I want to just say, you know, I'm a real estate investor. I want to start dabbling in it. Maybe seeing a little yeah. bit how it works. Would a person learn anything about the process if they were investing in your fund? They absolutely would. Um, you know, we have, so we have two funds just for clarification. They're both managed the same, the 75% and the 25% split between equity and um, uh, debt. Um, but one of them is for accredited investors only meaning their net worth has to be over a million dollars or more, or they can qualify through high income. But the other fund is for everybody and it has a $1,000 minimum. So that's really pretty unordinary, to be honest. I mean, most yeah. real estate funds require you to be an accredited investor. Our goal is for everybody to become accredited. But like you said, everybody kind of starts somewhere. Right. Um, and so um, they would know the process where we've got a lot of marketing material. We're very transparent with our reporting also. And so they'll get a lot of insight to the assets that are flowing through the fund. They'll know exactly what's going on, what their kind of yields are. Um, we're, we're, we're transparent here. And and they can schedule appointments with me and my team. You know, we'd love to talk through the process, but they'll know exactly, you know, which properties we bought, which loans we lent on, what the asset or the performance of the portfolio is um, on a quarterly basis. So we're, we're pretty open about all that. Fun. So that could be a way that someone who doesn't have a ton of money yet could just sort of start. They could educate yeah. themselves a little bit and maybe they would grow up and maybe try to do their own project at some point. Yeah. And even that fund, what I've found too, is even people that have a fair amount of capital, you know, everybody has these old little 401k accounts that they never moved and thought, well, I just, I guess I just never thought of doing anything with it. We get a lot of clients that will move those to self-directed IRA custodians. Yeah. So they'll roll those 401k accounts or they've set up college savings accounts for their kids or kids aren't accredited. Um, so it's it one, it's a way for people that are not necessarily accredited to start investing in real estate, but it's also a way to deploy small dollars. Yeah. So I have some really high net worth people that they get returns on these investments they're in, which is great, but then they have these dollars sitting around because they don't have the minimum minimum to go back into it and put another contribution in. Yeah. Um, and so I've had a lot of those clients say, just set me up monthly. Every month when I get paid from this other investment, I'm going to redeploy that capital into this other fund because Smart. the minimum is so small. And that fund's been yielding seven to eight percent, which is still really good returns. Excellent. Yeah. The accredited investor fund has been yielding nine to ten. That's been around almost 10 years now. So again, it's just a way to to passively invest in real estate without having to really be hands-on with it, but you still reap the benefits of it. Great. Heather, how did you get into this? <laughs> That's actually a funny story. <laughs> I went to college to be a teacher. 
and decided I kind of had a knack for sales. So I was always in sales. Once my husband and I started having kids, we had made the decision that I was going to, you know, we wanted them to be home. We didn't want to have to put them in daycare and we were blessed enough to not have me have to work. But when our youngest son went into kindergarten, I quickly decided I needed to, to get back into the workforce. And I had a friend in the industry. It's funny. I just had lunch with him the other day. So that was almost 20 years ago. And I knew him because I had been in a sales role with him in another company, not in this industry, but long story short, I was driving down the highway to go get fingerprinted to work at the school. (laughs) And he's like, what are you doing? You're not going to be a teacher. He goes, pull over, come into the office. And I was his assistant for about 30 days and decided I had bigger aspirations in being his assistant. And just kind of worked my way up from there. I, we were a private lender. We had an escrow company. I obtained my securities license and really found where my niche and what I had a passion for was working with clients, helping them create wealth. And so got my securities license and the rest is history. Have just stayed in it. And um, in 2008, after the market crashed, I really thought I was going to get out of it. I think a lot of people felt that way. (laughs) (laughs) but you know, just had all these clients that I'd worked with for so many years. And they're like, you can't, you need to find another company. I need to deploy capital. You know, this company I was with was going to be closing. And, you know, these people were like, we, we love investing with you, go find something else. So here I am 11 years later at secured investment. That's awesome. I think it's always interesting how people's paths you know, take where they take them. Like most people, like I have a son who just graduated from college and I said, you know, you have your degree. That's the important thing. You have your master's. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go into that. You know, people want to see that you can start something and finish it and you're goal oriented and you're coachable. So I never taught. Um, My sister's a teacher and I, I, I hate her every summer when she's off all summer at the lake, (laughs) but I feel like this was my calling. (laughs) Yeah. That's fantastic. It's interesting, you know, what you go to college for. I used to be in in the software industry and half the people were like, this one went to, you know, has like a degree in musicology and the other one's got, you know, an art something and you're like, okay, well, they probably would have preferred to follow their (laughs) actually intended path, but yeah, you just end up where you end up and it's great if you love it. I think someone has a bigger plan for all of us. So Heather, I, I mean, I think our time is kind of evaporating, unfortunately, but is there yeah. anything that you wish I would have asked you that I didn't ask? I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I feel like one, we could talk for hours right. about this <laughs> in our company. Um, so, you know, I think those were the things I really want. I guess what I really wanted to get across to people was that there is ways to invest in real estate, regardless of how much capital you have. And I think that's just such a, Uh, misunderstanding in this type of investment world is most people think you have to have high net worth. You have to have a ton of capital. That is not true. And so, you know, what I would encourage everybody to do is come to our website at securedinvestmentcorp.com, schedule an appointment with me and my team. There's no obligation for it, but just get started. You know, I think so many people sit on the, the sidelines that I talk to and they're like, I've talked to 10 companies like yours and they have analysis paralysis. It's like, Find an operator that you can trust 
you know, and that Do you, it. you know, you're, you're really investing in the operator. The, the investment comes along with it if you find a good operator. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would just hope that everybody would at least explore it. I think it's a great way to diversify their portfolio. I'm not here to, you know, encourage everybody to exit the stock market and leave their financial advisor, but I am encouraging people to add some real estate into their asset classes. And I think that, you know, going into a fund like ours is a great option for that with a very small barrier of entry of a thousand dollars. So we've got a website at securedinvestmentcorp.com. And I just encourage everybody to go there, you know, and take some time to schedule a 15 minute call with us. And, you know, we'd love to answer additional questions and talk further depending upon what their strategy is and what they're trying to accomplish. Excellent. Thanks, Heather. Yeah. And and the link to Heather's website and all the information will be on in the show notes. And if you have questions for Heather, you can also put those in the show notes, but do it on YouTube because it's not that easy for me to see the comments on the different various podcast platforms. (laughs) YouTube's easy, but yeah. So Heather, thank you so much. This was really great. You've opened my eyes to some great ideas and ways to invest that don't involve me and a hammer. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a great opportunity. And thank you listener for listening. We'll be back next week with, I have no idea. It'll be really fun though, for sure. And you should not miss it. But if you know somebody that has a thousand dollars and they would like to diversify themselves, just forward this episode to them because they will be glad you did. And Heather is going to change some some lives and some pocketbooks here. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.